0: Welcome to episode 11 of the podcast of Lifeliner, the Judy Taylor Story. I am the author, Shereen Chichiboy. Chapter 11 tests and more tests. The air cracks outside with January cold. Inside the green walls of G South, doctors and nurses flood back from the Christmas holiday. Judy's room comes alive with voices, machines and squeaking footsteps. G enters for his morning rounds with the usual medley of residents and nurses in his wake. He brusquely tells her about his newest plan. We're going to do a liver biopsy on you, he says. He explains it and exits quickly with his entourage, on to see the next patient. He leaves Judy overwhelmed at the thought of having to undergo another painful procedure that she doesn't even fully understand. How much more pain will she have to endure? She picks up the carrots and celery on the plate in front of her. Jeech had prescribed them in order to keep her even white teeth in her jaw and to stop her gums from bleeding. She bites down hard on a carrot and chews and chews until only mush remains. She spits out the fibrous remnants and goes to sleep. When Cliff arrives that night, she cries, I'm not sure about it. I really don't want Jeege to cut me open again. I feel like a pincushion from all the needles and my cheeks are black and blue from the vitamin injections. You just can't guess the pain from the sting of it going in. Well, Bones, Jeege must think it important for him to want to do it. His nickname for her brings back her ready smile. He'd christened her Bones when she'd become emaciated but for the last two months she has been steadily putting on weight. Cliff takes her hand and says not to be afraid, that it isn't really cutting like surgery, but more like a poke. It will be okay, he assures her, and it will make her feel better. She's doubtful, but accepts it, as she knows it's for her own good. She blinks away her tears and asks after the girls. They're doing fine, he tells her. The next morning she tackles Jeej about this biopsy. He explains quickly, Well, you know, fat is essential for good health. You need essential fatty acids because they're very critical in the building of the myelin sheath of the nerves, so you can't omit it. But what we want to know is, is it causing you a fatty liver? The current feeling is that if you give fat, it'll make the liver fatty, and we don't want that. So, you see, we need to biopsy you to see what's going on. You see? Claire is mud, she thinks. But Jeej has brought her this far. She is alive. He won't let her die now. Besides, she has no choice. When Pat comes in to check on her alimentation, Judy spills out her distress. The emotional roller coaster of anger, acceptance, fear is taking a toll. Pat asks if she wants to talk. She does. They talk about God, about prayer, and about faith. I pray all the time for him to let me live, Judy confesses. I tell him, Lord, don't take me, because he can't manage those three girls. I have to keep those girls together. Cliff can't do it. Sometimes, you know, God gives to us in mysterious ways. And, you know, we just have to have faith that he's going to see us through and carry on and live hour by hour and day by day and hope for the best and pray for the best. Judy nods and thinks about the biopsy plan for the next day. You have to do what you have to do as long as it's going to help me in the end. She almost asks it as a question. Yes, it will help you. It will give Geeje more information about what is going on in you and if he's giving you the right stuff. Judy nods again, lies back on her pillow, and closes her eyes. On January 12, 1971, she undergoes her first liver biopsy. Afterward, Jeege tells her that he is very encouraged by the results. Your liver showed mild triadal inflammation, chronic pericolingitis, and occasional focal necrosis, but no fatty changes. This after three weeks of starvation and then three months on alimentation with intralipid. Judy has no clue what he has just said. But if Gee is happy and her liver isn't fatty, then she is happy and she's just relieved it's over. The procedures aren't over though, and her new G-tube continues to bother her. It is right at the bend in her hip and it makes moving difficult. She has already begun a habit of placing her hand on her side to comfort it. When the residents ask her about it, she minimizes the pain. She absolutely doesn't want to go back on the morphine or to give them an excuse to keep her in longer. In February, Jeej announces her next procedure in his usual rapid-fire speech. And as usual, she barely understands. The bone marrow test goes well. In early March, Jeej tells her that he wants to do another liver biopsy. This time, she knows what to expect. But she doesn't understand why he wants to do another one. Diane Gard, the enterostomal therapist, whose job is to look after Judy's G-tube and teach her how to manage it, comes in to find her with tears flowing down her face. This is not the first time Diane has found her crying after Jeej has left. I don't know what's going on. They're not telling me. He speaks so fast that I can't understand him, except he's going to do something painful. I can't keep up with him. Frustration chokes her silent. Look, You've got to tell him how you feel, Diane says. He's not God. He's a human being, you know. Diane looks straight into her eyes and Judy sees the possibility that perhaps she can confront him. She wipes her face with the tissue Diane hands her and takes a deep breath to release her tension. I will speak to him, she says with determination. The opportunity comes the next day during morning rounds. After examining her, Jeej turns to his students to discuss her impending biopsy. She interrupts his flow of instructions and informs him that she needs to understand what he is saying. I'll explain it to you later, he assures her. She forces herself to insist that he come back after he finishes seeing the other patients, when he doesn't have his constant companions with him. He chuckles and says he'll come. And he does. She has it out with him. He listens intently. When she's done venting, he explains that he didn't know how she felt, and that it's important that she understands what's going on. After all, she'll be in charge of her own care at home and will need to see her body and her health as he sees it. She'll need to understand all the terminology and how the alimentation and her G-tube work, and he assures her that he will not let her go until she feels secure about it all. She sighs with relief. She still looks upon him as God, fully believing he can do no wrong, but now she also sees him as her best pal. She realizes that this isn't being done to her anymore. She's a participant. He respects her as much as he respects his colleagues. Judy excitedly tells Diane later that night about the talk and how Jeej isn't so scary anymore. She can face this test and anything else he throws at her. When he gets back the results of the biopsy, he shares his satisfaction with it with Judy and his residents. Although it has revealed triadal inflammation and fibrosis hemosiderosis, it shows no fatty changes. He is right fat is good for her. You have been listening to Lifeliner, the Judy Taylor story, a biography on a Canadian medical pioneer who made artificial feeding possible. Podcast by the author Shireen Gigiboy, one chapter at a time. Music used for this podcast is I Like It Like That by Steph Sachs and The King is Back by Echoed, licensed under Creative Commons. They can be found at dig.ccmixter.org under Instrumental Music for Film and Video. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. For more information or to leave a comment, please check out the website at gigiboy.ca or the Twitter feed at Shireen J. So until next time, thank you for listening to Lifeliner. I'm Shireen gigi Boy.